Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio with the vision of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Cajun. Welcome to Geekologist Radio, where we take you through our queue, which this week only comprised of Stranger Things 2. And let's ride the hype train. Nah, we're just going to do Stranger Things 2 this week. Uh, we're going to start off with a real short spoiler-free talk and then transition into full spoilers. So let's introduce our crew for tonight's cast. First up, we have Mr. Damian Nash. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm good, ready to talk all things strange. And Chris? Yeah, I'm looking to get into something strange. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, uh, Damien, you have an error on a mission before we get into Stranger Things? Yeah, so if you listened to our last, last week's episode that I edited, there was a little bit of an issue that came up with where uh, my I had a corrupt save file, and I thought that the backup was already edited and I didn't check it till I published it and you would have got maybe about 10 seconds five seconds of silence then you would have heard a phallic object yelled out uh, and I, I apologize for that because what happened was is Tyler Durden took over and put his single cell into our and he decided to put the audio form of the single cell of, of pornography into the children's film he, <laughs> he took over the podcast so Sorry, there was a Fight Club moment in that, and I will try to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But just so you know, the cast member who said that, that was that there was a big longer form that went into it. He just didn't randomly say that word. We had we were having a lot of technical issues, <laughs> and so it just happened to seem like he just decided to say that. So my apologies if you were listening to I mean, the cars and all the stuff that, that yelled. That doesn't sound like a mistake. That sounds like a reason to go listen through, just like searching for a little golden nugget. Yeah. Just like you're, you're panning for gold trying to find There it is. I found it. Shout just out to Phallic Cuss to Words. Thing. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now now that that part's behind us and we're getting to, all, getting to the strange... <laughs> Uh, let's give our spoiler-free thoughts. So this is what we thought about Stranger Things 2 and before we get into any spoilers. All right. For, for me, this one's different from season one. It didn't try to reinvent itself, um, but I was as hooked as I was as season one. Um, but for me, season two didn't take off until about episode five, and they had a lot of catching up on characters and setting the table uh, for it on season two. What are some uh, thoughts? Who wants to go next? Uh, go ahead. Uh, so it, I, I will kind of reiterate what you said. Yeah, it didn't really get its hooks deep in until episode five with me. It, I wanted, I, I was enjoying seeing the interactions between different characters and additional characters and things like that over the season, but it didn't hook me and it didn't hook me until about the episode five and at that point then i was hooked and i had to go through everything and then it made everything else better all right chris have you prepared your seasoning oh my gosh yeah it just wasn't season one for me like there were so many loose plot lines that i felt were unnecessary there were characters that were added into this that i felt were unnecessary i liked it it was a it was a good story. The, the ending wasn't that great for me. There were just, just a lot of things where I'm like, man, high production value, story wasn't that good. Season one, low production value, story was really good. So I, I it was a, a joy to see the same characters that I loved in the first season, 
I just wasn't as excited at the end of this as I was of, from season one. Right. Overall, would you, would you recommend somebody on the street to watch this? I would recommend it if you saw season one. Right, if you, exactly. if you, not, if you walked into this and you were just walking into season two, one, you wouldn't understand what's going on, although there was some catch-up uh, with characters. And two, it just, like, there was, it was very confusing if you, if you, like, my wife fell off in Stranger Things season one at, like, episode six. So she didn't catch the tail end of the last three episodes, or last two, yeah, three episodes, six, seven, and eight. She was lost up until I, I literally backtracked her for most of the characters through the first five episodes. Oof. Yeah, that's rough. And that's also the first I've heard in Army you hear somebody talk about Stranger Things season one. It was like, I couldn't put it down. I had to finish it right away. <laughs> She's, she likes to All fall right. asleep at 10 o'clock at night. So, <laughs> <laughs> Damien, would you recommend season two? Yes, yeah. I, I, would, I would recommend it. There's a lot of little, there's, there's so many Easter eggs, but we'll get into that. Yeah, exactly. And same thing with me. I would, I would, I would recommend it. Uh, to me, it was on par, but just a different type of par. And we'll get more of that in a little bit on why. But now we're, that from this point on, spoiler free is off the table. We will now be getting into spoilers. If you haven't seen Stranger Things season two yet, this is a good time to pause it, come back after you've seen it, and now we're going to get into uh, season two. Uh, now, first thing going over, let's talk about some of the differences uh, between season one and season two. For me, one of the biggest was there was less mystery. Um, we we knew what the villain was. We knew what it looked like. We knew what Eleven's powers were. We knew Eight's powers right away. We knew a lot of that stuff. Um, and the only, the only little bit of mystery uh, did keep it intriguing, but it didn't have those big mystery things that, that kept you hooks. There's other things about this one. This was more plot about what happens next instead of mm-hmm. what is happening. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest ones. Anybody else want to point out any of the differences they saw? The lack of Eleven as a character in this, she was so separated for me from the group that I lost interest in her a lot. Like, I I was looking for her. I didn't see her a lot. And so when she came around, it was t- almost too late for me. I'm like, oh, man, I really wish she would have been more... It, it was just... It, there was just so much that was so disconnected for me on this. Um, and I agree with you about the mystery thing. Like, there was no mystery at all. Like, this was very... Uh, you saw point A to point B on where this was going, if you've watched horror movies or, or any type of... Because it wasn't... It was very... It it was very goonish this time. Like, you could see A to B. Like, I could see that <laughs> right away. Aside with from a the hard reference. Yeah, yeah, with a hard, with with a hard the, reference. A hard yeah, reference. Yeah, we'll get into the 80s references in a minute, but... Uh, that was the thing for me. I just there wasn't enough eleven, and I loved her in season one, and I just felt like they didn't utilize her enough. In they utilize her in key moments, but not enough in the in the the lower moments and the and the the soft moments that they used her for in season one is why I liked her so much as a character. See, I I, I get where you, I understand where you talk about the disconnect because I I feel that too, and it kind of bothered me because I liked I loved the character interaction that Eleven with the other, with the other kids, what she brought to that group. But I did enjoy seeing her journey when they went with her and to show and explore more of her kind of her upside down powers that she has. And 
the de- character development that they went through on this, having her find herself. Yeah, they did a hero. Uh, they did a hero's journey for her, a very sequelish hero's journey, which I'll talk about more later. Yeah. This uh, one more point that I want to point out. This se- felt this whole entire season felt like a setup for next season, like the entire that, yeah I, the I entire agree season where. If you cut season one off at season one, that could have been Stranger Things, and it literally could have been its own thing. This, yeah. to me, wasn't its own thing. This was, let's get ready for ep- for seasons three and four. We're going to set up characters for that. Yeah, and, and I, I do think that's a lot of the, the new characters and some of that was part of the setup for the trilogy uh, season, which would be mm-hmm. three. This was the sequel um, season, which would two. And I do get that, but this one had, to me, it had more CG, more monsters, more of a threat, I felt, to the world um, that was going on, and more people realizing that threat than before, um, in more ways than one. And so I, I um, I did like that their introduction of a human heel that stayed a heel, because we all got to like Steve, and Steve Harrington became uh, a hero in this mm-hmm. one. I like even Steve. more so. Yeah. But Billy came in as babysitter the, as of the, the year. New Steve heel, and Rob now Lowe. Billy is the Rob is Lowe the, lookalike. Oh yeah, he is the heel all the way through to the end, and we get to see his backstory and why he's that. So I did like that that part where they kept somebody as being bad the whole way instead of giving it, uh, him a redemption. We have to give credit to the Duffer Brothers on this, though, because it is a lot of pressure to create a sequel to something that was a spontaneous hit that was shot down by a lot of other mainline, like HBO. And, like, anybody they shot this out to was like, no thanks. Netflix took a chance. Now, they were creating this, or loosely creating this, based off of the ending of season one because they – Netflix said, "Hey, give us something. Give us, give us a little something of what you would do if this got picked up." And so they were already kind of working this out. But man, it's really hard to create a sequel. We all know that. It, as far as films are concerned, they always fall flat on their face. This didn't fall flat on his face. All right, this was mm-hmm. very much like to your point, Cajun. This was like kind of like, "Hey, we're still hitting that same note. It might not have been the, as high, but it, it, the quality was still there for me." Right. Yeah, and. They did a lot of good stuff in there that I think setting that table for the uh, having a good trilogy or a good third season in this, if we treat it like movies or uh, movie one, movie two, and then movie three, there's not a lot of trilogies that uh, have success. And I think they did themselves a service setting it up that way. And I don't think they uh, left stuff behind in the plot of this season. Um, making it that way. I do think that they had some strengths there. Uh, one thing that did turn me off this season originally was the multiple love triangles. We had three very obvious love triangles happening, but I did like that they all got resolved, that those triangles became pairs at the end, every single one of them. And so that's something I really like because I don't like that that hanging over the plot head for too long. And I did like that they showed them, resolved them, showed them, resolved them, showed them, resolved them by the end of the season because that's, it's, that's just an awkward scenarios that I just don't want to see. And I did like how either people became okay with it or we just lost, like in Bob's case, we just lost them. Yeah. <laughs> that resolved itself that way. And then Steve was okay with his 
or at least we think he's okay with his and, and Dustin's okay with his. So we, we, everybody seems okay moving forward. Of all of the, of the three, the Dustin love triangle felt the most forced to me. It felt like there was almost, it, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't even a necessity. It just felt like something they were pushing on us. And I, that's the one that, that resonated the least to me. The, the Sean Astin character resonated the most with me only based upon the fact that he was dating the pretty girl in high school that wouldn't even give him a second look. And so he was so excited about being with her that I kind of felt for that character. And also he played the like, ah, shucks guy. Like it was really, it was really well done. It was, I loved Bob. Yeah. It was so not Goonies in the sense that he didn't draw attention. Like there was one line that he used, which was very much, okay, I get where you're going with this. That was the reference. But if you watch after Stranger Things, if you watch those episodes afterwards, they were not going to cast him because they were so concerned about the fact that he would draw too much attention to the show. And in fact, he underplayed it. He he put in a, his own cast video in order to be on the show because he wanted to be on it, which I thought was really cool. And he he just played that character so well. He was almost like a, a barb where I was like, oh, no, too soon. Like, too soon. Like, just, <laughs> oh, we want we want Bob back. I, yeah. I liked yeah. Bob. He, he lasts a yeah, long time, is, a lot longer yeah. than Barb, but yeah. 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 Keep but the around. other thing with, with uh, Bob, his character, is that had it not been Sean Astin, his character was going to be a lot more, have a lot darker story. But they couldn't, they, they, they liked the direction that he went with the character so that they totally rewrote his storyline because of how he embodied the character. Right. Uh, and according to the Duffer Brothers, that, that darker thing was until Sean Astin took the role and was uh, likable in it, especially, um, Will was going to be possessed by the mind flayer in that ride in the car when Bob's taking him to school. And Bob was going to give him advice on how to fight the mind flayer. And Will was going to kill Bob right there in the car. Perfect. In like episode that would have been- four. That actually would have been awesome. I'm a side note: the way he died, the way Bob died, I would have actually preferred it to be in the car. That would have made much more sense to me instead of like <laughs> looking looking in the misdirection and being like, "Oh no!" I, I would. That was, yeah, that was car, such an '80s way to die. Yeah, it was. It was. Like, I'm so safe. It was very like it. '80s gore, like when you just see his body in like a fake body, like his head in a fake body. Like it was. It, that's that's what I thought of right away. I'm like, "Oh, this is so '80s. This is awesome." But I, I would have <laughs> the car thing would have been really cool because when he gave him that look, he he had that like real stern burst, like "Go away, go away," and I'm like, "Oh no, you're gonna go away." And but then he didn't. And so that makes sense. I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that actually that moment in the car with. Uh, Bob and Will um, kind of made me thinking: Is Bob bad? Because we don't really know. Same his, here. Yeah, we don't know his his reasoning for doing that. Um, and then later, we we it's just he's just a happy go lucky guy, and he's innocent in mm-hmm. all this stuff. Yeah, and we really see him come out of that innocence when they bring him in and show him the map and like, okay, this is something bigger. And we see him his innocence gradually being extracted. So yeah, it was sad to see him go through all that story arc and then uh died right there so we have a bunch of new characters that are being introduced into season two um i I think there's five major characters altogether we have max we have billy we have paul reiser's character as the doctor we have sean astin being added as bob and then um the 
the uh, the other guy, I can't, the one with the glasses, the one who's the uh, Murray Bowman, Murray Murray Bowman, Murray yep. Murray Bowman. So those are the five five characters. Of those five characters, I thought Murray for me, besides Sean's character, you know, being her, was mm-hmm. was was the most intriguing, only right, because same. it it was just very like they gave him a little bit of backstory. Had it not been for the scene in the bunker. He would have been just an afterthought, but that scene in the bucker with the vodka, and then the and then the making of the food and all that other stuff really <laughs> gave me a perspective, like on him as a person. He's because they fluffed him off early. Hopper was just like, oh, he's the crazy guy that always comes up with all of the the stuff, and then they went to his bunker, and it was like, oh, so you're not so crazy. Like you have some really good ideas that I liked. The mm-hmm. Billy character and the Max character for me were fluff. It was plot. They were plot movers. It was like, okay, how are we going to get everybody to be all fired up and Eleven fired up? All right, Max. How are we going to get a love triangle together? Max. How are we going to get Billy uh, or, you know, to cause Steve to be pissed off? Billy. So I just felt like that's like that. Those were their purposes. Yeah, but but Max had another purpose. Max's purpose was to show how hard it is for the other kids to break into the clique because of Mm -hmm. their history. So that click is so strong because of that history, and Max shows that. And it's also her other purpose was to be the audience noticing like the movie references and the fakeness of their story, and also why other people don't believe it. Murray plays a big part why the rest of the world won't believe it, but also the people in that town won't believe their story just because it's so far-fetched. So she has that role, and it, it, it all comes really to a head with the Lucas storytelling because sure. it shows kind of what how other people will react because it's so easy as a fan or a, a viewer to put yourself in those roles and do what's, uh, I think it's called like post-it note writing. Like you can just solve this with a post-it note. If somebody told this person this, this solves the whole problem. And Murray and Max provide that backstory to it saying, no, we, this is a much more complex scenario. We couldn't solve it that way. Um, because n- not many people would believe it. It has to be more palatable. You have to water it down. Um, but uh, but yeah, Billy's only role was to be a heel there, and they just put him as Max's uh, uh, stepbrother. And Max is the literally the redheaded stepchild. They mm-hmm. went all the way to that. <laughs> I feel the only thing I don't really care for about the Max character. And I actually I like I like her. What I didn't like about her was that we had to wait till episode seven in order for me to like her. Like the bat scene in right. in episode eight, was it eight or nine? Oh, eight or nine was where she had the bat. That's when she developed as a character. Up until that point, she was just like, oh, so she's the plot point for these two to fight over each other. And then the, somebody's going to kiss right. her. Somebody's going to kiss her. Somebody's going to hold her hand. It, they never referenced the Mad Max thing ever again with the Dig Dug thing with her at the video arcade besides the one time. And so she, they were just the, he, she was he was stalker. It was weird. I, I just wish they would have gone a little more backstory. They brought the dad in for the one time against Billy to jam up against the wall. And I, I guess that was to say that he uh, obviously abusive father. And maybe that's the reason why they moved from where they originally were to where they are now in Indiana. They were in California. They moved into Indiana. It was maybe because the dad was abusive and they, they needed a new place to start or whatever. Yeah, there, there's so many fan theories on why they yeah. moved. They, they, but, it could but be it was supernatural never, and all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it was yeah. never re- really clearly defined. And he kept talking about, well, you know why we moved. You know why we moved. It was because of you. Well, why was it because of you? Like, I don't, I, they, never, they never got into why it was Max was the reason why they moved. 
Yep, that's that's the. I think that's a season three setup. Um, I hope. I hope so. If you, I mean, if you play the Stranger Things game, which we talked about in our Discord chat, Max has psychic powers. So does she really have psychic powers, or was she given psychic powers because of eight? Like, would they did they just kind of transpose that into Max because she's a, a more well known character? I, yeah, I'm really curious. On, yeah, I'm really curious on where they where they move that. Eight. I think we. I, you know what? I we never mentioned eight, and she's probably the sixth. She's the sixth new character. What the hell? She was in the first scene. Then we don't see her until episode six. We see her for a full episode, and then we never see her again. That was it. Yeah, yeah. it was really confusing. Like I, don't, I almost to the point where I don't even know why she was brought in, aside from a connection with Eleven, and then done. This is just kind of like The Walking Dead when they go into The Walking Dead and they say the world's expanding, the world's going to get bigger. This is Stranger Things' way of making that world bigger. They're showing you have number eight. Well, guess what? We have 11. We know that there are at least X amount more out there or some of them have deceased, but there's a possibility of so many others and having different powers. Yeah, there's a possibility of nine others out there at least, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who yeah. have lived at some point. Um, Eight's role in this, uh, from my perspective, is that she is the wise teacher. Um, she's the, the master of the powers, and Eleven is has no trainer. So Eleven has to go on um, a young hero journey and find a trainer to train her in her powers before she can rejoin because nobody can help her. We, we see that with Hopper, and that was the whole setup scenes with Hopper. He's trying to, to keep her safe, but he's not letting her develop her powers and be the hero. And so she needs to find someone who can train her, who help her find her abilities, help her find uh, her strength in her abilities, uh, which is her anger uh, for all the stuff that happened to her. And that's H's role in this. Besides setting up potentially more stuff, uh, we can guess in season three between eight and 11 and searching for Papa, that's the role in this. And it also, it's also very um, sequelist because that's something we see in, uh, in other major sequels of that uh, the hero needs to go on the journey, find the master to teach him. Um, and so that's, to me, that's eight's role only. The, the rest of the cast, the rest of the people that are there are, are just, just like, yeah. yeah, this background noise. You pointed that, put that picture in Discord chat, a very Warriors reference. That was just an 80s reference, okay? There's just a reason for, for her to be there. Um, but it, it's all around her. It's all around eight. See, I when I saw it, when, and I, I didn't even think about the perspective of being a teacher and a student. When, I, when eight was there, the only reason I thought she was in the entire show was to get to that reference where Papa scared Eleven. And then they met the guy who was in the room, and he said Papa was still alive. So Papa's still alive. Unless this guy was trying to save his can, he's still alive, which means that sets up next season for them to go search for where this guy is at. Because if at the end we, you know, and so if you go through the entire show and you figure, okay, they're— the Demogorgons are going to come back. Whatever whatever this is is going to come back again. Papa might be able to figure out a way or be able to organize a group together that might because it's going to be stronger than Eleven in the next episode. In the sequel, they always come back with like two villains. Some they're going to have to get a group together in order to take this on. It's going to have to be more than just her next next season. Right, and it has to be. And Papa's going to be playing in, uh, a role in it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. just and just to, to come full circle, there's a fan favorite new character. Who's not in much? Erica, Lucas's little sister. 
Oh, she's um, awesome. Oh god, she was awesome. Yeah, she uh, on the walkie-talkie. That was great. awesome. <laughs> shut got, up. Got a coach. Shut up for you. Yeah, and the can, look she gives him and stuff. Yeah, it's great. Can we address something really quickly? And I just want to have a, some small discourse on it. And it's Billy and the really edgy topic of him being racist. There, yeah. There's been talk of him being racist. There's been talk of him being gay. There's been a lot of fan... And we talk about theories. Uh, you know, the other stuff has... You know, people are kind of thrown against the wall. This has got a lot of steam. Like, a, there's been a lot of steam specifically about the racism part and how he treated um, Max's pseudo-boyfriend. Yeah. From my perspective, and I was talking to my wife actually about this at dinner tonight because we were talking about it. I said, what do you think? Do you think... And she was coming from out... She hates when I talk about fan theory stuff because she doesn't see things in that room. She's like, you think too much about stuff. This is how I saw it. And she thought that he was being racist immediately mm-hmm. like i she's like i don't even know what you're talking so about because she, ne- she doesn't listen to what i like any of the stuff that i i talk to i talk about what i came to her with and i don't i'm going to present this to you guys was he was he racist or was uh lucas's lucas right lucas lucas's lucas's char- was lucas's character the only person he saw her with so that's why he directed his anger towards him because he didn't direct it towards the other kids and he went right to him and slammed him against the wall. But he's the only boy that he saw her with at any given time. So that's no, why was, I, mm, I'm just presenting it that in that tone. No, because he saw her hanging around the other boys as a group uh, mm-hmm. in other scenarios there. When he saw her just with him, that's when his aggression he never said anything about hanging around anybody else um except when he saw her with lucas and uh he even like he would he referenced just lucas in all of his dialogue and i think a lot of this is he racist stuff comes from there was an interview that the actor who played billy gave and he was asked if his character was racist towards lucas and he didn't see that but also he wasn't playing that uh Either he wasn't giving that direction or he mm-hmm. wasn't playing, but he was, he was uh, acting the lines he was given, and the lines he was given were singular lines with singular focus towards Lucas. Even though he knew that she was hanging out with a group of boys, he would only direct it towards him. And, and just like you were saying, in, in that house, she's hanging out with all the boys equally. She's not giving Lucas any extra attention, yet he sure. targets Lucas directly. So that is something I think specifically the writers did. Um, and maybe they dialed it back a little bit in the edit to not make it so obvious. But there was something to say, like, just that stuff still did exist there um, and didn't go too heavy handed with it. So that, that's I me. Mean, that was my read on it. Um, but other people will read it differently um, because it isn't the heavy handed, he's a racist because of this, because you can interpret it the other way where he might, he, he might not have. He, could have just been targeting Lucas because of that one fight they had in the parking lot, and now he's being the protective older brother. But he doesn't look like the protective older brother. He just looks like the a-hole older brother. And what I, what I said in, in our Discord is that racism is often as silent as exactly what that, that dude did in that show. It's ne- it's, it, a lot of times it's not as overt as someone coming out with a racist statement, but it's the quietness and the backhanded racism, which is... Son done through action or through silence and in that moment he grabbed that one dude and that was it and he jacked him up against the wall and they made a quick quick I mean it was really early on the Vankman thing 
real fast about, mm-hmm. you know, why can't I be a black Venkman? Like, why can't I be? And they, they laughed it off as a joke, and they qu- cut it within five seconds of that conversation, and that's the last time they talked about it. So I appreciate that they, they have edits and cuts, but... Man, the, the, if that's what if that's the direction they were trying to go, they should they should have let it linger, or at least try to address the situation in a more direct manner, as opposed to an overt, overt manner, at least. Right, and, for, and for letting, is, yeah, this that's not something you want your audience to try to figure out what you're trying to mean there. No. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's one side of doing it. The other side would be the South Park game. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is true. They made a oh, point. They made it clear. Oh, There's no doubt about it that that's there. Um, uh, before we move more into characters, I did want to, we, we had covered earlier differences between season one and two, but I want to just point out a few similarities I saw that I really liked. Um, because there's one thing that really I saw building in season one, I think we all felt it, is all of these characters are trying to figure out things on their own. And you see them all building, like they're going, gonna, they're going to meet, somebody's going to do the post-it note thing, and they're going to talk to each other, and they're all going to, and they all did in season one, they all come together. And kind of we see that in episode five, that's the big turning point uh, we talked about earlier, because all the characters start figuring stuff out together. Although they, it's not as much mystery. Dustin figures out Dart is a demigorden at that point and not some amphibian. Um, Bob starts deciphering the treasure map. Um, we get Eleven's origin story with in her mom's dream. Hopper's in the tunnels, and then Will at the end he gets hurt when they burn the tunnels. And also the uh, the people the the government people in the facility discover about the the tunnels as well, and so we get all of these people and groups learning something at the same time, and that's one thing I really liked that they did in season one, uh, and I saw it coming more. This one I didn't expect it to be all one episode again, and it's just, and that was when all the, all of the uh, the momentum hit right there. A similarity for me was was similar character development for the core characters. They gave in the in the first season they gave core characters some development on who they were and what their background was. Season two, what who they were, what their background was. We got Lucas's family, which we didn't get in season one. We got um, Dustin's mom. Uh, Dustin's mom, which we did not get in seasons one. Season one. We got uh, who um, was it? Mike did was what. Well, we had Mike's mom and dad in season one. Yeah, but, but we Mike's got, mom but, was a little more developed in this one. A little bit more developed with Billy? Yes. <laughs> uh, on the cover of the book? Sure. So, yeah. But what I'm saying is is they, they didn't stop there. They went back. The one thing that they did not go – and, and uh, Cajun, to your point, they went back to D&D again mm-hmm. in order to describe who this boss was at the end. They went back to Dungeons Mind and Dragons. Flare. Yeah. So, so they used that reference. I was thinking, oh man, they're not going to bring up Dungeons and Dragons again, but they did bring it up again. It was really late in the ball game, but they did. So it was nice callbacks again to the original first season. They even made a mention to, to uh, Millie Bobby Brown's uh, hair not being shaved and, and the reasons why. They they referenced the obviously the egos. I mean, literally, they probably have a, <laughs> a bond with ego at this point. So yeah. They made reference to that too, so there was callbacks. There was callbacks and similarities to season one. Yeah, and the villains the same. Mm-hmm. It's just more of them. Yeah, so one Demi Gordon has Demi Gordons now, and they have a they're controlled by a boss. So yeah, they had four legs four versus two. Yeah, which all this stuff, all all this stuff ties in very much with the with the refer- other references of other other media in the eighties. Yeah, and, exactly. And and, and 
Go ahead. Yeah, we have an entire <laughs> section on that coming in a little bit. We're just going to be dumping all of the references we saw here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we covered new characters, um, Bob, Max, Billy. Uh, we didn't, uh, anybody want to touch on Dr. Owens, uh, Paul Reiser's character? Uh, a bit? Paul Reiser's character was okay. I mean, I actually would have rather seen him die than Bob, but like, whatever. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah, his character was different than what I thought it did. Re- he, he, he played it. There's a lot of scenes where he basically played his same character from aliens, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think was deliberate. Purpose. Yeah. Very yeah. Purposeful. purposeful. But I, I actually like, I actually liked his character it, and uh, I, but I would have still rather seen Bob survive and him die. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dr. Owens was greatly played, and he left it unclear. He left his intentions unclear at the start, and that was part of him referencing his, his Aliens character. Um, For sure. Because you see him in there, you see him in Aliens movies, and they even talk about this in the Beyond Search of Things after. And me watching that, besides the backdrop of his previous characters, is just how he was playing is like, is he on Will's side or is he not? And until we actually see him, he's truly on Will's side later. He, it leaves that up for interpretation. And I like mm-hmm. that bit of mystery in there because they don't have a lot of mystery in the other stuff. The fans, we know what's going nope. on. That was a good bit of mystery to, to leave him out there. Yeah, for the audience, you got the videotaping of everything that was going on. So then you're uncertain why he's taping everything all the time. And then you get the boardroom scene in which he's on his side. So then by the time that he's guiding Harper, or Hopper and, 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 and Bob through the maze, you don't know, is he leading them the, in the direction of getting killed or not getting killed? Because you're only giving two choices. You're seeing him as a good guy and as a bad guy. So which one is he? And at the end, when you see him with the wounds, you, I still don't know. I, I still don't think he knows if he's good or bad. I think he thinks he has good intentions, and that's the character that he's playing. But as as an audience, we still he he still could go either way to me. Um, yeah, with with the birth certificate to Hopper and um, his defense of hurting Will in the mm-hmm. boardroom, I'm I'm leaning more heavily to him being good at this point. Um, let's see. We were covering the returning kids, not much changing with them. I did feel Dustin was a little more of a caricature of himself this season than last season. It was did a little any- more Dustin-y. Did anybody notice the extreme amount of curse words? Like, because he went from... I did notice. It was a... Shit, 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 shit. Son of a bitch was used a ton. It... I. I said to my wife, I'm like, geez, he's cursing a lot. Like, it went... I don't remember that in season one. I don't remember that much cursing in season one versus season two. It was a lot in season two. I, I do remember that they used, uh, that they used uh, shit mm-hmm. a lot. But that was... I don't remember anything But, else. I mean, he's that, saying that son of a, a bitch in front of adults. Like, I mean, he's cursing in front of adults a lot. And, and I, I didn't notice didn't, any cursing in season one or two uh, at all because... If to me, I'll, if I notice cursing, that means you're using it wrong. You're using it when it doesn't need to be there. If you're using it in situations where the character should be freaked out and spouting out the first thing that comes to its head, then you're using it right. And I think that's why I just I didn't even notice it in either season. I guess I noticed it more so because we're talking about what thirteen year old kids. So like it just was like seriously like everybody's okay with that. Like when he cursed out uh, Mike's dad, I was like, wait, what the hell? Like <laughs> he's like son of a bitch. You don't even know where he is? I'm like, whoa, wait. 
He's like, watch your language. And, and constantly you had adults going, watch your language, watch your language. So I think that's why it was, it was more apparent to me. But yeah, uh, yeah that was the only thing that I noticed. Uh, I thought uh, the character of himself I thought was a, a big deal. The whole thing. And like I was like, ah, okay, the first yeah. time was cool, funny. The second time, yeah, dial it back a little bit. Yeah. The only big character change of all the, the returning kids, I think, was Eleven. Um, what was necessary? Because she was yeah. uh, a prisoner her whole life. And so she had to have significant story arc in both personality changes and power changes. And so they really committed to showing that. And I agree with what you were saying earlier, Chris. I, I would like to have seen her more with the group because she fits so well in that group dynamic of solving it. But um, I think having her discover her powers going away from it is a i think a stronger story element uh doing it that way but yeah if it gave us one more episode with her the group would have been uh more enjoyable too you don't realize her naivety until you see her with hopper and then you see her with the group i mean she really doesn't know what what the hell's going on but what you do get to see in the hopper scenes is how much of a 13 or 14 year old she is because when she gets pissed off she slams the door and, and hides from her parents which is what every kid does so she has those moments where she's still a kid like and then mm-hmm. she's expected to be an adult when it's against a demogorgon and like like i was talking about you just don't see her with the group the, the part where I, I was flustered with her not being with the group was the fact that they see her for like a minute they give her a hug she disappears again fights a demogorgon and then she's back at a, at a ball and that's it they see her twice so the group sees her a total of two times for like a total of three what, uh, five minutes on screen it's really crazy compared yeah. to like the, the previous season so which but is with I, the whole I, time yeah but i liked hopper's character a lot more this season because of, i love because of her like i liked yep. him because of her so i guess in that respect i appreciated the fact that they were together because i saw more emotion out of him and his attachment to the cause and to her. Now, do you think that your attachment to him is because from a father standpoint, or is it because of the character development? Uh, it was because of uh, basically a stepdad taking somebody in. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's what yeah. I saw her, like I saw him as. And and you saw scenes where they were fighting, and he was just pissed. Like, God, what did I get myself into? And there were other times where. Like, he goes back on that and says, you know what, I made a mistake, I'm so sorry, it's not you, it's me, I apologize, please come back. So you can see the range of emotions that he's going through on top of the stress level of all the other shit that he's going through. So, like, he's he's kind of on both ends. Yeah, I mean, he's he, basically trying to raise a little Jedi and he doesn't have any of the powers. <laughs> no, none, right? He's got that shotgun, which I was like, well, that gun wasn't killing anything for a while. All of a sudden, they hit, the, hit that little machine and it's killing everything he was shooting he was shooting stuff before and it wasn't killing anything <laughs> he, he he was like a stormtrooper just shooting at those and then all of a sudden on that rack he's just shotgunning and able to take things everything's out. dying at that point I, yeah i said to my wife i'm like how many more bullets has he got and then he pulls the shotgun i'm like oh okay that's where we're going all right good <laughs> at least at least we went to the second gun because there's no way there was more bullets in that that little automatic he had yeah, there's some, yeah, there's some tropes from the 80s movies I'm glad they don't stick with, and Infinite Bullets no. I'm glad they didn't stick with. Yeah. His his character definitely was my favorite this season. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This, I just, he, like, like we were talking about the curse words, I noticed so many times about the cigarette smoking. Like It was not something I noticed in season one, but in this season I constantly was reminded of how much he smokes. Yep, and that was that was something that you saw a lot of in eighties movies. Just people smoking. Yep. You don't see much anymore, but yeah, definitely well, saw Billy, a lot. Well, so Billy, I he, mean, Billy was smoking, lifting weights. 
I mean, Gene Crickets. Like, the guy's lifting weights and punching out a cigarette and then drinking a beer. I'm like, whoa, that is very 80s. The, yeah. the, the lifting scene with him with the cigarettes, Goonies, with Mikey in the stretches, or with his brother in the stretches. And I was like, oh, there were that, that's awesome. Now, the, nice. but the hairstyle yeah. and the earring yeah. is Lost Boys. Yeah, it's very oh, cool. Yeah. It's yep. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, on the adults, we like Hopper's story arc, uh, mm-hmm. Joyce's story arc. I mean, she, she was the same. She didn't change much. She didn't uh, like yeah, it, she right? didn't change much. She freaks out over everything. Yeah. I mean, she's overprotective mm-hmm. mom, even more overprotective in this one than she was in last season. But, yeah, she's her arc isn't anything different than it was before. Yeah. Eh. Nothing special. She just plays no. the same character. Nothing yeah. great happening. Uh, the teens, Nancy, Jonathan, Steve, what do we like about their... I like the love triangle working this way out, like I said before. I'm glad uh, Nancy's with Jonathan, but there are rival camps right now. If you check the internet, there are people who are pro-Jonathan and people that are pro-Steve. I don't really like Jonathan. be honest, I don't really like him. The people, A lot of people reference Jonathan as he's like, they're like, Jonathan's like Edward. <laughs> he's like a vampire. <laughs> he just doesn't. He, he just doesn't sparkle. Yeah, yeah. Because see, I still have the bully memories of Steven season one. Maybe that's why I'm Team Jonathan that's right now. Same here. <laughs> I, I like I like Jonathan better as a as a even just a plot point for moving forward for possible you know being the, the connection to his, uh, Will and everything else. I, I I do like Steve though too as babysitter of the year. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, big time, man. Steve's just like, I got this. <laughs> but there was one point where my I was with my wife, we were watching this, and I'm like, well, Steve just got his ass, or yes, yeah, yeah, he just got his ass kicked, right, by like Billy, like beat the hell out of him, and he's in the car, and then they get down down in the tunnels, and he's like, oh, I'm here to protect you guys, and I looked at my wife, I'm like, who the hell is he protecting? He just got his ass kicked by Billy. You think he's gonna take out some of these demodogs? Like, there's no way he's protecting these kids. Like, if, And that's why the kids are like, yeah, dude, just step aside. <laughs> Your bat is the only thing helping you right now. Because like, it just – he's. A, I thought his character had the arc. I, what saved him was Dustin because otherwise he would have just been the same character. But D- Dustin – his. I, I would have loved to see another episode with him and Dustin walk, just walking together, hanging out. because they That's were, a they buddy were... show made in heaven right there. There you go. Dustin. That was yep. great. And how they set that up was so brilliant. It was just like he's going in with the flowers and Dustin's leaving. And he's like, no, you're coming with me. You got the bat. And it's like, are they doing this right now? And I was literally turning to my wife and turning to myself. And I was like, oh, I love this so much. It's just like, all right. That it's time interaction. To that interaction instantly reminded me of Monster Squad. Oh, remi- and it, t- it reminded me of Walking Dead. I had Negan with his bat oh. walking on the train tracks, just like going to going to Sturgis, or and then they were like, you know, here's the, we're just throwing meat out, we're just random meat <laughs> off the train tracks. <laughs> it was better than the salami or whatever the hell it was he was throwing in the house. Yeah, he did, did the baloney trail. Baloney, baloney. The there you go, trail. the baloney trail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Steve's character arc from. Last season of this one, hero to hero to uh, our heel to hero was absolutely great, man. Yes, that that was awesome. Um, I think we got the characters covered. Now, if we can get into something we've been so been itching for, us getting some references. Uh, I know Chris earlier, you uh, just quickly, you had some. You said you liked the music. Anything uh, in particular stood out for you? No, it would like the opening scene um, where Steve's in the car and like or billy's in the car pardon me and he slams the door like it was just like 
engines are revving and everybody's going. And every time that you saw him, if you notice, they kicked the music way up. And it was very hard hitting. Was very like like not hard hitting eighties music, but like the hard pop rock stuff that eighty. That yeah, that rocked you like a hurricane. Yeah, rocking yeah. like a hurricane and stuff like that. It was just like, kind of like that badass music. And then they would tone it back a little bit. But there was a lot of there was Pat Benatar in there. There was just it was just a lot of eighties references that was as far as music was concerned. I'm like, man, I would listen to the soundtrack. Like I would be totally down for this. And mm. it seemed very appropriate. And the Duffer Brothers are really big on making sure that music matches theme in it, from what they discussed in their after the after stranger things um conversation so i i, I was really appreciative of it to be honest it was it was really awesome to, for me yeah the one that i, I like everything but one that stood out for me that was surprising was when uh they were riding in the car at one point and wango tango from ted Nugent comes on and i did really have to give ted Nugent a check here because <laughs> he's so outspoken now nice. <laughs> that was the only one was that like it, it just hit me right away i was like ah but so many great like just memory moments of like oh yeah i remember that song oh yeah i remember that one and uh they uh thriller when thriller comes on i'm just like oh yeah i was just listening to that the other day <laughs> yep and that one in the trailer the, the placement of thriller in the main trailer for it was so yes. well mm-hmm. done it's the yeah, only thing that i was disappointed about is they didn't do a ghostbusters like theme music in that in that episode and I would expected them to have done that only because of the costumes. Yeah. Well, they used they used the song at one point. At the, and, they used the song at the end of the yeah. episode. Yep. Oh, but, at the end they use it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But like throughout, like early on when they have the costumes on, like I, I, that's where I was expecting it, and like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. But I don't know. Overall, like I said, the the eighties music was was great. There was a ton of movie references, though. I mean, there was a ton of movie references. Yeah, one of like the, the ones. Can- that, yeah, oh. I wanted to jump into right away though was with Paul Reiser and you have Paul Reiser and it's his character, but it's also when they're t- when they're going in and they will tricks the soldiers to go down to the central area, and then they're looking and it's Paul Reiser looking at the screen and they see the blips mm-hmm. going, and that same scene happened in Aliens where Paul Reiser's character is looking and he's seen the blips come in on the Marines and they don't know what's going on. They don't know they're set up in a trap and Ripley has to get them to come in. Well, in this case, it wasn't Ripley. It's Mike that's coming up and screaming at Hopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a Mike Hopper mix up there that was that took the part of Ripley. But just seeing that and then seeing the, the fog and the, 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 the you know, the vininess of stuff, and then the, and then how they they moved, it was alien, and I was just giddy. Yeah, and one other reference on it's not a direct reference, but this was more a sequel reference was that they did um, alien aliens, Demi mm. Gordon, Demi Gordons instead of being mm. one alien that was many now instead of one Demi Gordon is Demi Gordon. So that was a big, I think, a big central part of it was doing that in uh, as a using that as a sequel plot element. Yeah. Also, uh, when they took over the building that Riser was in, it that was very uh, Gremlins too, because Gremlins two, all of the Gremlins took over the building, and so and all of the the demodogs took over the building and they took out people. So I well, I right. got Gremlins right away. I'm like, oh, that's Gremlins too. The other thing is, is that when they're first finding the the molting, mm-hmm. right. they play the music from Gremlins. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that was that was so Gremlins when. Uh, uh, D'Artagnan was becoming a, a demi-dog. Yeah, it was very, 
<laughs> very rem gremlins reminiscent right there uh, oh, they also did the candy movie placement uh from like et uh they had mm -hmm. three musketeers uh and nougat played a large role in guiding the demogorgon to where he needed to be then they used like bologna and meat later but they used 80s candy and were very obvious with it on the screen and <laughs> We talked, so about, we talked about shooters. 8 and the warrior scene, which is a very big 80s movie that, well, we all know about on this show. Like, <laughs> warriors come out and play, all super excited about it. And then we talked about Sean Astin having that conversation when he was helping with the map. And he said, oh, what is this, like a treasure map? And I was like, oh, Goonies. I wanted him so badly to be down in those tunnels and say, our time down here. Like, I wish, I, just a quick <laughs> line even more so than the, that reference would have been like, oh, yes. He didn't say it, but still he had a Goonies line, which was, was kind of cool because it's a, uh, just a head nod to, to Goonies. Yeah, and he's such a big smile on his face, just like all everybody who heard that line. <laughs> Where you can find the sex? Pirate treasure? Like, yes. Yeah, I grabbed my wife's leg. I'm like, Goonies, Goonies. Like, I was, so, I was just waiting for him to say anything that related to it because I knew they were just kind of holding back on it. So that was kind of cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a, in terms of sequel movie references, there's an Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Doom reference in uh, Jonathan and Nancy. So uh, when they're at Murray's bunker, uh, Indy and I think Willie was her name in that one, they're constantly like oh, going they, to, yeah, I remember go to that, each other's yeah. room and, and like, no, talk themselves out of it and having awkward moments. So, and that being a sequel uh, that was an element they used from a sequel movie. So I I did like uh, that placement in there. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that is um, cool. Now, one big one that I wanted to throw in there, and I, t and I hinted at it earlier, and I, I was so tempted earlier in the podcast to just go full on, this is what this was, was eight in her role and that entire episode. Mm. Um, and 11. So 11 is the young jedi who needs to learn her powers she goes to eight in another land pittsburgh uh playing the yoda role this is the empire strikes back luke scene 11 going to eight she goes gets taught her powers while the other group is fighting and doing stuff in need of the person with the jedi powers in this case 11 to help them out and till um 11 learns how to control her powers get better at them gets the vision that she needs uh, to go help, goes help, arrives in to help her, her friends, just like Luke did coming back to help. This was, that was entire sequel plot element of Empire Strikes Back. And I'm thoroughly surprised the internet is not talking more about that. Cause I was like, I love that. And I, was like, I tried searching for people breaking that down with me. If anything else I missed more, I was like barely found anybody talking about this. <laughs> that was such an obvious one for me. The, the whole thing that that, when she was when she took up and she showed the butterfly stuff, that reminded me of Luke and then the Force Cave that he went into, mm -hmm. and that was that was that whole feeling right there. When I saw that, I'm like, man, I go, that's exactly how I felt about it. Then when you brought it up, I was like, yes, yeah, the Force <laughs> Cave, seeing her her Darth Vader Papa, her actual her Papa, his Papa. I mean, coming in through a vision, that's the exact. I mean, that it was beat for beat, Luke's traveling to Dagobah, uh, except mm -hmm. Dagobah is Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, 
did you guys catch like the the poltergeist references with the tv screen and the, and like the fuzziness oh, yeah. and like because every time she put the the karate kid bandana on over, over her head i'm like uh, like she puts it around her eyes and then it has to be like the whiteout music i'm like oh this is very poltergeist like that's what i was thinking i i said karate kid a bunch of times only because of the bandana thing but like that i don't think they were going for that but the the, the tv for sure with the fuzzies i was like oh this is poltergeist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, exorcist Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole possession of Will was very exorcist, but also the burning it out of him. Like, sure. Yeah. Uh, getting Because uh, I uh, remember there was a scene Exodus, in Exorcist with like a... Was it, was it a fire poker too they used to like burn the girl in Exorcist to kind of get her out, to try to shake her out of it? I'm trying to remember. Cause, I, think so. I think so. Yeah, because Nancy used a fire poker in this one. Uh, to, yeah. As, as the final as the final burn to, uh, to get the mind flare out of will. There yeah. a, and there's like, all, all kinds of minor references too in there as well. Anything else? Yeah, there was, uh, there were all kinds of, like you said, there were, there were definitely minor references, like kind of all, all filtered throughout. Like you could kind of seek some things. It was like either one liners or pictures or just the way people are dressed or way people looked. Um, I'm just looking online right now, and I just saw that the picture of Stranger Things with him opening up the door is similar to the same photo from Close Encounters of the Third Kind with the same door opening and, like, the same kid look, looking right. through the door. So they really just kind of – they picked little things, and it's it's just homages. It's, it's, sometimes it's not even a direct reference is, as much as an homage just to, like, a, a one of the arcade scenes. One of the arcade scenes um, – I'm trying to remember which one exactly, but it was – very similar to the arcade scene in uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another sequel stuff. They also used the word Judgment Day in yeah. there to talk about their time, which was a, a sequel reference to Terminator 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime that they can come up with like a word or a thing, it was like, oh, this is so cool that you can, you can tell that they backtracked a lot of stuff in order to make sure that this worked. Yeah. They, they loaded it in there. All right. Anything else we want to talk about before we get into our ratings? At this season? I don't think no, so. No, we're good. Yeah. All right. Damien, give us your rating. I'm going to go to Solid 8. Chris? Six and a half to seven for me. Honestly, like I, I, it was good, but it wasn't great. Yeah, I'm going eight and a half out of ten. Uh, series turned great for me uh, in episode eight. It probably would have been close to uh, sorry, episode five. It turned great for me then, and it probably would have been lower uh, if it had continued just to be just this good show. But it turned great then, and because of that, I give it that eight and a half out of ten, and really, really loved it. So that's it, guys. Uh, that's our thoughts on Stranger Things season two. Um, hey, they have the table set to do a lot of stuff in season three. So uh, let's for sure. Yeah, let's go to the movies, Duffer Brothers. Let's see how some good trilogies uh, ended well. Do, do the good trilogies. Don't get the bad trilogies. <laughs> and let's, uh, let's don't don't strong. go don't go for critters. Don't no. don't there. Yeah. My curiosity is turnaround time. I, I'm I wonder if they're going to try to turn this around as fast as they did this season and get it out in a they year. They have to. They have to because of the kids. How how much they're changing. That's what they said, that they have to continue as much as they can to get things done one after the other as soon as it's approved. But did they say they, they stated, what, four or five seasons? They were they were just going to cut it. They're they're very clear that they're this is not going to be something that this is not a, a Walking Dead situation. 
Yeah, they're they not going five? on forever. Okay. Tar- the target the target is five, as long as the demand is there. Ooh, okay. This is going to get in the Harry Potter range real soon. Or, or it could be Breaking Bad. Because yeah. Breaking Bad did a good solid five seasons and, and knew they were going there and ended there. So, uh, And also, I mean, was it Westworld's going to give us a good solid five? We're I'm just thinking of right kids. Now, I'm talking so. about kids aging quickly. Like Harry Potter, things aged quickly, quick. Like Oh, all, yeah, yeah. Harry was like 11. All of a sudden he was like 18 and had a beard. So it was like really fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point as well, too. The, the, the kids aging and yeah, so... Hopefully they can keep uh, keep going with it and keep strong. Um, it, this is going to be taxing on a lot of people if they're turning these out once every year. But uh, it's for me, they can do this every Halloween. That is one hell of a Halloween tradition I, I like to keep. Oh, hell yeah. Get my Stranger Things on Halloween. Now I have my new Halloween cartoon, my new Halloween Santa, David S. Pumpkins' uh, <laughs> special from uh from NBC if y'all haven't caught that yet sorry to sidetrack but it's a it's great it's a new cartoon Christmas special where David S. Pumpkins is the Santa Claus of Halloween it's great <laughs> very cool all right for that let's go ahead and sign us off uh Damien where can we find you find me on Twitter at Mr. Damien Nash also uh, mending our Facebook page as much as I can <laughs> And Chris? You can find me at Two Wolves on Twitter. And you can find me, Caucasian State, all one word on Twitter. You can find us, podcast at geekologistradio.com for email. Twitter, geekologistradio minus the T for character restrictions. Web, geekologistradio.com for our website. Or ninjapancake.com for the reposting of our podcast along with many other great ones. And that's it. All things strange. We've gotten that out of our system. Enjoy. We'll catch y'all next week on a regular episode.